Hey, this is Diana, the Bard of Hudson. What the heck does that mean? A bard is just a storyteller. So here I am to share stories with you. What was it like growing up in the 60s and 70s? Did I really meet Bob Marley on an airplane? I hope you enjoy listening to my crazy life and that it inspires you to share your stories in some way. One great way to share your thoughts with me is through my Patreon page at patreon.com slash Diana the Bard. There you can see the photos and written materials that enrich my stories with visuals. Please check it out. And wherever you're listening, please rate and review and share the podcast. I'd love to hear what you think. At the end of the day, human connection is all we have. Enjoy. Hello, welcome back. Thank you for joining me today. So today I thought after our meanderings through a couple of other things that I would come back to some of the earlier stories from my childhood. I've been rereading my childhood diaries, which are very funny and sometimes a little bit sad. And also looking at old pictures, I have a couple of albums I mean, back in those days, you know, it was a big thing to have a roll of film and be able to take a few pictures on a, and mostly those things were reserved for holidays, right? So the, I don't have pictures of school and I don't have pictures of our regular life for the most part, but I do have pictures of our summer vacations and In truth, the summer vacations kind of link one year to the next for me and stand out as mile markers. We had trips to Italy to visit my grandfather. But this one trip, I remember when I was 10 years old in 1971, we finally, well, I say finally because we were old enough, I think, for my grandmother to consider taking us on a longer trip rather than just, you know, a weekend up to somewhere. So she took us out to her family's ranch. And now don't get the wrong impression because when I say ranch, it's not one of those sweeping Montana, you know, hundreds of acres with lots of cows and such. It wasn't that at all. It was a small, very rustic dude ranch that my grandmother's family had from when she was a girl. And it sat on about 60 acres uh, near a town called Parshall in Colorado. And it was about 120 miles northwest of Denver. So we flew out there in an airplane, which was, you know, also wonderful with my grandmother. And we landed at Denver And then I remember my grandmother rented this car from Avis. It was this big, white, fancy thing. I don't know whether it was a, you know, Cadillac or something like that, but it had a red interior. And we always had to sit in the back, of course, uh, as children. So we we drove this 120 miles, must have been three or four hours in those days because my grandmother didn't drive very fast. And... We would sing, as I I think I've mentioned before, on her car trips, she loved to sing with us. And then she was so delighted to bring us to this place that she had loved so much as a child. 
and have been to many times since, but it was a marker of a place for her of, you know, very beautiful memories. So she wanted to share all of those with us. And so she stopped and pointed things out, particularly um, the, the wildflowers that she had always loved. And I remember in particular the Indian paintbrush that she exclaimed over every time we passed stands of them. Oh, look, look, children, the Indian paintbrush. <laughs> and that was so sweet. Um, so on this trip, we arrived at the ranch with her in this big giant car. And at the ranch also were my Aunt Jean, who was my grandmother's youngest sister, and her son Danny and his wife Karen, and their big German shepherd named Pooh, like Winnie the Pooh. And so we were a lovely crew of cheery people. And the ranch was a glorious haven of life long ago, in a way. It was very rustic. It was, you know, no, there was no heat. And the water, the only way you could get the water was to hook up a pipe to a nearby stream that brought in only cold water and fantastic cold water that was running off down the, the mountainside. But you had to heat it up if you wanted anything, you know, a, a bath or a sponge bath. Um, in fact, I remembered we had a big tin tub that you would fill up in the middle of the kitchen to in order to take a bath if you wanted one. And every meal was a big affair and a big to-do because everything took a long, much longer to prepare in this little ranch than it did in a normal, you know, modern kind of kitchen. There was a propane stove, you know, and everything had to be turned on. And I remember my grandmother making oatmeal in the morning that seemed to take forever because it was steel-cut Irish oats and she was stirring and stirring and stirring forever. Um, but it was so delicious because you had to wait for it, you know. Uh, the ranch kitchen was, it, it had a couple of windows with red gingham curtains. It had an ice box, a really old-fashioned refrigerator. Uh, and it had a formica-topped dining table with this red formica on the top so that it would be easy to clean. But it was basically a picnic table inside with long benches and stuff. So it could fit as many people as could squish in together at the bench. Um, and then in the living room, there was another round table with a tablecloth, which was mostly for card playing or, you know, sitting around and reading. And above all of these tables and above the, you know, rustic stove were these Coleman lanterns that you had to light, you know, with a match if you wanted light at night. And it was rather dim. And upstairs, there weren't any lights. So there were only, there was only candles and such that we took to bed or a lantern that you held by hand to take to bed. And there was no bathroom. So there was an outhouse called the Bar D. And it had two holes, so two seats. So my brother and my cousins and I, um, when we went there in subsequent trips, we would say, hey, you want to be my bathroom buddy? And we would go take a dump together. 
um, mostly because we were a little afraid of the spiders and whatever else might be down in those scary holes. But the outlying area around the house was covered with lumps of prairie dog homes. And I remember the prairie dogs just were everywhere and we would delight in following them and peeking down into their holes and finding them. The same with Pooh, the dog. He, of course, loved haunting the prairie dogs and snuffling after them. And there would be various trails that went off in different directions through the tall grass. One of them was out to take a long hike, you know, through the woods. There was a starting trail that you would start on. And one of them led to the fire pit that was away from the house but it was the central hub of where we would have dinner every night. We would cook out dinner on the fire pit and there was big planning of what would be cooked. You know, was it going to be corn on the cob and hamburgers or chicken? What was it going to be that day? And we had to carry all the supplies out to the fire pit. And over the fire pit was an old iron wagon wheel. And then we would put various grill tops and things like that so that we could put things over the fire. But every single dinner was cooked that way unless it was, you know, unless they got tired of it and they made spaghetti one night, for instance. Um, and there were various outlying buildings that were kind of tumbling down that must have been barns and other things to, you know, pig, pig pens and such to keep the animals back in the day when the ranch actually functioned as a ranch. But these ramshackle buildings were fascinating places to play in because in one of them there was the carcass long dead of a cow with the skull and the bones still underneath this dried hide of skin. And we would go out and pick at it and pull it apart and use bones for various things. We had a tree house that we were building with my cousin Danny's help. And we got a lot done on it this one trip. And then we came back a few years later to see that it was still standing and we added some more to it. There was a beautiful front porch that went the whole length of the front of the house. And it was a deep porch with rocking chairs on it and hummingbird feeders that hung from the rafter and we would sit quietly and knit or crochet and watch the hummingbirds and that was a delight to my grandmother and all around the property were other people's cows that were wandering just beyond the fences so we would see the cows and go up to them and admire their beautiful beautiful eyes and we we'd love them um, but there were cow pies everywhere in the grass and my brother and I would play various games with them. We would sling them like frisbees or stack them up and knock them down with, with, uh, balls. Yes, we were easily entertained. <laughs> uh, and almost every day we would take some kind of trip into the outlying area. There was the town of Partial, which was a funny little tiny town with you know, just one street and we'd go there and we'd get, you know, fishing supplies and worms and such so that we could go fishing for trout in the Colorado River. 
and there was a bigger town called Granby, which also mostly had just one street, but there was a Western supply store there that we were so lucky to go to one day and buy moccasins. And we were so excited by that because we wore those moccasins for the rest of the trip, pretty much until they wore out. I think we were there for weeks. We were there for maybe three weeks at, in this trip. So each, each week we would take a couple of side trips somewhere like to Aspen or, uh, uh, to the continental divide, you know, and my grandmother wanted to teach us things and, and teach us about the West that she loved so much. We went on a horseback riding trip one day to a farm, you know, where, where there were tons of horses and we all got to be in a, in a trail ride. And that was so wonderful up and over the mountains. And each time we left for a trip, we would pack sandwiches. And I remember it with a long assembly line on the Formica covered table where there was bologna and ham and cheese and lettuce and we would slap these sandwiches together and my cousin Danny was just so funny and he would always be entertaining us with songs of one kind or another. I do remember one that really stuck in my head where he, he was singing and the my grandmother and her sister were a little shocked but he was singing Oh, my mother-in-law, she is dead, um three dee dee She got caught in my folding bed, um three dee dee Ever since my mother-in-law's been dead, folks all come to me to use that folding bed. Cause they all have mother-in-laws, you see. Um three dee um three dee um three dee dee <laughs> So, it was very silly. And we were a singing family. We were always singing. I don't know. We sang around the fire pit at night. And the fire pit at night after dinner was a magical thing because as the fire sort of burnt down, it was just embers, then the whole sky, those big western skies just seemed to develop forth like a photograph with all of the stars and it was huge above us and we would try to identify, you know, uh, constellations and such and the moon would rise over the nearby mountain of Williams Peak that was standing and watching over us all and then at some point in the night the coyotes would start to howl and ooh it was chilling but exciting and beautiful and I remember this trip as you know an incredible opportunity to discover a whole nother piece of my country that I didn't know anything about and that was so so precious to my grandmother so so lucky I'm so fortunate yes it's the day after Thanksgiving and I'm still thankful still grateful that my family was a traveling family and that I've gotten to see so much of the world and experience such beautiful things. The ranch holds a dear place in my memory and I hope to get back there one day soon, maybe with my adult cousins now and, you know, get the chance to sing around the fireplace with them and be kids again for a short while, bathroom buddies and whatnot. All right. 
Thank you for being here today, and I'll see you next time. Want to make some juicy passive income but don't know where to start? You need to check out Girls Trade 2. Girls Trade 2 is an online community of women learning to trade in the stock market so they can boost their savings and get off that dang hamster wheel of work, work, work. So if you want some help figuring out the stock market, check out a free web class at girlstrade2.com. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to connect, you can find me on Instagram at Diana the Bard or on Facebook at Diana Green. And check out my Patreon page at patreon.com slash Diana the Bard for photos and other fun additions. And if you're enjoying the podcast, please subscribe, share, rate, and review wherever you're listening. It makes a world of difference and helps others to find the show. I'd really appreciate it. Thanks so much. Bye.